everybody. How are y'all doing today? Everybody good? Man, I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, even battling the rain, man, the rain, rain has been fantastic. Uh, it's great to wake up to that. It was, it was a great morning to just uh, know, get to be in God's house and get to hang out with you guys. And if everybody's watching online, thank you guys for being a part of our worship service as well. Uh, like Noah said, my name is Clayton. I'm the pastor here um, at Central, and we're in the middle of a series called Ordinary Heroes, and I want you to have a chance to take notes and, and uh, retain those notes, and so you can take out your phone, scan the QR code, any of the screens, it'll stay up there um, for just a little bit, so that you can, uh, you can have those, um, and uh, you know, I uh, am a recovering, um, I don't know if I'm recovering, I'm still dealing with, with it, I'm a, I, I'm a multitasker that doesn't do it very well. Anybody, can anybody relate to just, man, you're just a mess. And I think I'm going to write like a book about my life, you know, some, sometime just as a warning to everybody that, uh, you know, sometimes multitasking doesn't, doesn't work very well. I mean, like the other day I was, I was uh, hanging out at, my, at the house and Holly had to go, my wife had to go run some errands and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some, uh, some hamburgers. And so I get out the hamburger uh, patties, or I make the patties, and I get them all seasoned up really nice. I go get the grill going outside, and I get all the condiments and the cheese and everything out, and I, I get the buns out, and I throw them in the toaster to, to warm up, and I go outside, and I start grilling the, the hamburgers. And and being a multitasker like I, like I am, I just couldn't sit and just watch the hamburgers being made. And so I looked, and I saw that we, we have a pressure washer right there, and we've been pressure washing our, our concrete. So I was like, well, I might as well do that while I'm waiting. And so I get the pressure washer out, and I'm one of those people that I've always got to be listening to, like, a podcast or something. So when well, I'm doing something, so anybody, can anybody relate? You know, is it just me? Okay, so I put my AirPods in, and I'm, I'm just doing my thing, and I'm, I'm pressure washing, checking the burgers, pressure washing. I just kind of get in my own, my own zone here. And all of a sudden, my wife runs out. Um, she got home. She runs out of the house holding the, the toaster um, with, with uh, like, like hand or the, the things, you know, so you don't burn your hands. And uh, she's running out, and there's just like smoke coming out of the, the toasters, the toaster. And she throws it down on the table outside, and she's like, she just looks at me, and she just shakes her head, you know. And I was like, oh, whoops. And uh, I, I, we pulled up, opened the toaster, and it's just these hockey pucks of buns that were left over. And, you know, I just realized... I, sometimes I try to do too much, and I kind of get in over my head, and I think a lot of us can probably relate to that a little bit, and in fact, today, we're going to look at something very similar to that, and in the Old Testament, there's an, a moment where the God's people, the Israelites, they kind of got in over their heads. Uh, there was, they just, just you know, they, 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 they found themselves in a situation where they didn't know what they were to do. We, we do that sometimes. You ever seen, you know, like, Someone singing karaoke, and they're just not very good at it, you know? Or have you ever watched someone try to change the oil in their, their car, and you go, that's not right. Like, it's going to go bad, you know? I think there's, there's times in our lives where we watch people do something. We know it's going to be bad. We kind of cringe a little bit, and that's kind of what was happening to the Israelites. God is going to give them these very detailed instructions, these step-by-step -step instructions to actually build something. And I think there was probably a moment that they just kind of looked at this and, and said, what are we supposed to, to do with that? I mean, I think it was almost like in Exodus that they, they got something like, like this, this, these blueprints. 
And these are old blueprints of the church. And um, I look at these, I'm like, I have no idea what they're even talking I just opened it up upside down. Um, but, you know, you get these blueprints and you, you open them up and, and you look at all these symbols and, and everything. And you're going, I have no idea what this looks like. And you start turning pages and there's different layers and just all this, this, these weird terminologies. And sometimes we look at something like this and go, I don't know what to do with this. And in the Bible, this is exactly what happened to the Israelites. God is going to give them some blueprints to something and they don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, our ordinary hero for today is going to show up. And he's brought out of the crowd, and he grabs these blueprints, and he says, I've got this. I've got this because I was made for this. So if you have your Bibles, you turn to Exodus chapter 31, and we'll throw them up, all the verses up on the screen. We're going to look at this guy's life. When other people were kind of in over their head, this guy was made specifically to be able to read these blueprints and do something about it. Exodus chapter 31, here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman. Expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. So our hero for today is this guy named Betzel. And Betzel, his name literally means being covered in the shadow of God's wings. That's a pretty cool name. It's a very interesting name because of his background. You see, he was a slave. He was born in Egypt. He went through all that stuff in, 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 the ex, in Exodus with the Pharaoh and Moses and the plagues. And he literally walks out of Egypt. He crosses the Red Sea. And he is with God's people wandering around in the desert. And there's millions of people doing this. I mean, he is literally an ordinary nobody. He's a nobody. And although his name means that he is sheltered under God's wings... He was actually stuck in the shadow of someone else's wings. He was actually found in the shadow and kind of stuck in the shadow of, of his grandfather. I don't know if you caught this when we were reading his name and his, his dad's name and then his grandfather's name. These guys are kind of vague in the Old Testament. You're going, who in the world are these people? But his grandfather was her. Now, not Ben Her from the movies, okay, but like a different her. H-U-R, not a female. He was a dude, okay, weird name, okay. But his name is Her. And if you go back to Exodus chapter 17, there's this moment where the Israelites, they are wandering in the desert, and they find themselves up against another nation called the Amalekites. And they are going to battle. And Moses climbs up on a mountain, and when he, the Bible says when he's raising his arms up, then the Israelites are victorious in battle. But it goes on all day long. He gets tired, obviously, and his hands come down. They start losing. So he tries to raise his hands up, and he realizes he needs some help. And so his brother Aaron gets up next to him up on the mountain, and he raises one of his arms. And you know who was standing on the other side? Her. This is the grandfather of Bezalel, our, our guy in the story today. He was famous for holding up Moses' arm. And I believe that Bezalel spent his whole life hearing about just how awesome his grandfather was. Anybody ever been like that where you just, there's somebody in your, your family or someone you know that they just do everything right, and everybody's like, why don't you just be like them? And you feel like you can never measure up. I think that's what was going on in his life. 
Well, people said, you know what? You need to be more like your grandfather. You need to do some push-ups and some shoulder raises. You got to get ready to hold up Moses' arms or whatever God calls you to do. Well, that wasn't Bethsael. That's not the life that he lived. He didn't settle for being known as the grandson of her. Instead, he recognized God's gifting and God's equipping and the position that God had put him in, and he tried to live that out. And this morning, I want to to present, to present him to you as a hero. And he's a hero not for something that he actually did, but for some things that he, he didn't do. Not necessarily the things that he did. He did some amazing things, but there are some things that he could have done, but he did not do those things. And I, I think he is an incredible hero that we need to look at today. You see, he could have coasted. I mean, he kind of came from a great pedigree, um, his family is famous. He could have lived off of his family's fame. And also, he probably could have lived trying to please other people. But instead, he became who God created him to be. The Bible says he became this master craftsman. And he'd go on to build something. And what it was was the, the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, it's kind of like vague and weird. Like, what is that thing? Well, just think of it this way. It is a portable temple. Because people are traveling from place to place. They're living in tents. So they couldn't build this massive structure every place that they stopped that was permanent. They had to build a portable temple. And God specifically gave him some blueprints to do that. And he knew what he was supposed to do. He grabbed those blueprints. He knew exactly what God had called him to do and equipped him to do. And it reminds me of what James chapter 4 says. In James chapter 4 it says, remember it is a sin... To know what you ought to do and then not do it. A lot of times we look at sins, the things that we do that are wrong. There's some times where we know we're supposed to do something that's right and we don't do it. And the Bible says that is a sin. And so the first decision that makes Bethsael a hero for today is that, think about his grandfather. He didn't hide behind his grandfather's shadow. He didn't hide behind the shadow of, of his grandfather. I think that's a, that's a big danger for us that a lot of times we can end up using our lives to live someone else's life. And it might even be contrary to God's plan for your life. It's like why, why some of us have the part of our story is like this. I mean, some of us went to, went to a college that we were never meant to go to, but we, we chose that because, you know, that's what our family does. We go to that university, right? You just, you kind of were forced into that. Some of you were forced into a career that, that you were never meant to be in. You were never gifted to do those things, but you felt obligated because you wanted to, you wanted to, to impress someone else. You wanted to live under their shadow because it was something that you were, you were, you were expected to do, and you're trying to get the approval of someone else. I think a lot of us have that part, a part of our story. Maybe that is our story, or that's a, a small part of our story. Where we've seen that we really weren't meant to do something, but we were kind of forced to do that because we were living under the shadow of someone else. But let me tell you this. The only shadow that God wants you to live under is his protective shadow. That's the only shadow he wants you to live under. He's created each one of us unique and specifically for a specific purpose. Psalm 91 says this, that those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He will cover you with his feathers. That's kind of interesting, but God didn't have feathers, okay? But it's just kind of metaphor here, okay? He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. It says that 
you and I are called to be under the shadow of God. Oscar Wilde is a a famous Irish poet that's long uh, passed away. He said this, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Man, what what a great quote that is, that sometimes we are trying to live for the approval of other people or we're trying to be like someone else and God's saying, I want you to be you. God made you for a specific purpose. I love what Jeremiah begins his his book. He's writing, he's kind of given his credentials. And there's a a verse, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, and he quotes God. He says, here's what God said to me. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Before he begins his, his entire uh, prophetic book, he says, God called me to this. He called me to be a prophet. And I wonder what it would be like if we flipped this around and inserted our own names into this. If you were to read this to your, for yourself, what would you say that God appointed you to do? What is it? Is it to be a prophet of the nations? Probably not. But what has he called you and equipped you to do? You see, God has made every single one of us for a purpose, and he made Bethel for, for a purpose. And I want us to look at it again. Back in Exodus chapter 31, I kind of give a little summary right here, but it says, look, God's saying, look, I have specifically chosen Bethel, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. That's a very interesting phrase. In fact, that's the very first time in all of the Bible that that phrase is used. Giving him great wisdom and ability and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He's a master craftsman. He's an expert and he is skilled. And so that's exactly what Bethel begins to do. He begins to do what God created him to, to do. He began to, to do this insane build. I, I think it's like Extreme Maker Tabernacle Edition. Okay, it was this crazy moment where they begin to build this very, very specific structure that if you actually go to Exodus chapter 39, I mean, it just, it lists everything that, that goes on. And it says, Bethel built this, this, and this. I mean, it's so specific um, that it's pretty crazy, all the things that they were required to do. And instead of trying to read all of that, let, let me just show you a little illustration up on the screen right now of what it actually probably looked like. So this is the tabernacle. The people, remember, they're traveling around. God's presence is in that cloud and there's all these layers of cloth and animal skins over it and golden pillars. And there's this courtyard where people gather. And inside the courtyard is this huge bronze altar where they would sacrifice the animals. And then next to it is this, this wash basin. And this wash basin was used to purify yourself before you actually went in. And when you go into the tabernacle, there's some items there that God specifically said, I want you to build. One of them is the golden lampstand. It was made out of one piece of solid gold, and it was to light up the place. There's also this golden table of the, the bread of the presence to remind the people of God's provision. And then there was this, this altar of incense, and they would, they would light incense as an offering to God. And then when you went past the veil that Bethel made, you would get to the most holy place. And inside it you see and find the Ark of the Covenant, which was made out of wood, and Bethel made it, and it was covered in pure gold. And the Bible says that God's presence actually rested above it. And it was in this place that God met his people. And he wanted it to be perfect for them and actually really practical. 
And this brings us to the, the second reason Bezalel is a hero for something that he, he didn't do. You see, he didn't, he didn't change the plans. He didn't take the, these blueprints and say, God, thanks, but I've got it. No, instead, the Bible shows and, sa- and, and gives some evidence that he actually followed these blueprints exactly, okay? And the way we know it is if we go to Exodus chapter 39, here's what it says. Then Moses, at the very end, after it's all built, it says Moses inspected all their work. He took those blueprints around and said, ah, oh, let's see if you have followed the plans. And when he, fa- when, it, when he found it had been done just as the Lord had commanded him, he blessed them. It says that he found it exactly like the plans were. What that means to me is that Bethel, he didn't come up to these plans and say, okay, they, these sound good, but God, I've got this. You know, I mean, I'm going to make some, some edits there. I'm going to add a little room here, and we should, should do this other thing. I think it would be way more practical and better. He didn't do that. The Bible says he did it exactly like the plans were. I think, guys, we have a problem with this, don't we? I mean, when our wives buy something and bring it home for us to put together, we open up the box and, you know, first off, we rip open the box so we can never return the item if there's a problem. But we take out the, the instruction manual and it's kind of like a badge of honor to see if we can do this thing all on our own. And so we, we throw the, if we're really, you know, just think we're amazing individuals, we throw the, the instructions away. Or we kind of, some of us just hide them, hopefully we don't need them. But what happens is when you're making that bunk bed is you, you end up with an extra leg or something, you know, and, and uh, some extra parts. And you're not sure if the manufacturer actually just gave you those just in case or if you're just missing them. And it's just, it's risky, isn't it? But it's weird. It's something that we do all the time. It's risky. But I would say that the riskiest phrase of all time is, thanks God, but I've got this. Thank you, God, for, for giving me this, but, but I'll take it from here. And often that sums up, sums up our lives. We think about our own salvation. We say, thank, thank you, God, for what you're, you're done, but, but I'll take it from here. I'm going to stamp my own ticket into heaven. When it comes to family decisions or raising our kids, we say, thank you, God, for providing for me here, but I've got this. They're my kids. This is my family. I can handle it on my own. We think about our careers, how we spend our time, how we spend our money. We thank God for the place, place that he's brought us to, and we say, God, I've got this from here. And a lot of times our life is a mess because of it. We think that somehow, and man, I can relate to this. We think that somehow we know how to write the story of our lives. But the truth this morning is we've never done it before. I mean, we're all winging it, guys, in life. We are literally winging it. But God has written the story of people's lives billions upon billions of times, you know? And if he has done that and he knows what he's doing, man, maybe we should trust him with our lives. Maybe we should trust him. And that's what Bezalel did. He was a hero because he he saw these blueprints and he he followed them. And what's crazy is I was was reading this, this story this week and Man, a big chunk of Exodus is just spent on describing this tabernacle. And it's crazy. I mean, it's so specific. It has, like, all these brass rings to, to, to be put up on these certain kinds of wood or these poles. And, and uh, these certain bases made out of bronze and out of gold. And even, like, down to the, the kind of fiber for, for the, the, um, the tabernacle covering and all the animal skin. It's just, it's just crazy. You can go on and on. I was thinking, why in the world 
would God be so specific about that? And I think it's for two reasons. One of them is I think God wanted to speak a message to the people. You see, I think God was saying, this is how creation is. And this is how society should be. And this is how your own specific personal life should be, that God is at the center of it all. Instead of God being kind of vaguely around the people, he's saying, I am right here at the very center of it all. He was speaking this message, and he wanted to use the tabernacle as a way to speak that message. But also believe that God wanted to, to display his beauty and his glory through all of the, the gold and the beautiful material that, that was made up by this by, by Bethsaid. And when God wanted to display his beauty and his glory, it kind, of thinks, it kind of makes me think about our own lives. I think God was doing the same thing, or is doing the same thing. He wants to display his beauty and his glory in, in, in our lives. You see, God has given you a blueprint, okay? God has given me a blueprint for, for my life. And even though every single one of us, our blueprints are a little, a little bit different, I mean, every single one of us have different lives. There are some general things in all of our lives that are the very same. If we opened up the blueprint of each one of our lives, there's some basic design that God has for every single person. It doesn't matter who you are. And so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to, for us to just take a, a quick look at our personal blueprints that God has, has written for our lives. And the first, first part of the blueprint is this, is to, to love you to salvation. God wants to love you to salvation. I don't care who you are. For every single person in this room, every single person that's watching, every single person on this planet, he wants to love every single person to salvation. He could have forced us to choose him, but he doesn't. He loves us to it. So much so that he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. You know? That is love. His only son. This is what Romans chapter 5 says. It says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. While we're still sinners. While we didn't deserve it. We did nothing to earn it. God says, I love you so much. For every single one of us, one of the basics of the blueprint for our lives is he wants to love us to salvation. And the question today is, have you chosen that? Have you accepted that love? Maybe today is the day that you'd say, you know what? I'm going to accept that for the very first time. That gift of salvation. That's a part of God's blueprint for your life. And once you're saved, it's not over. God didn't just save you and say, all right, see you later. Instead, he wants to do something else. He wants to, to mold you for his mission. God has a specific mission for every single person. And he, did, he didn't want to just save you just to save you. He wants to save you for a specific purpose. And he has a mission for every single one of us. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about it. It says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can just hang out and thank God. No, it says so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. God created us and he saved us so we can do the things that he has called us to do. He has a mission for every single one of us. And yes, it's a little bit different, but he has a mission for you. And he wants to mold you. He wants to equip you. He wants to put you in certain situations. He wants to put people around you so you can live out that mission. And here's something that's really beautiful about God's personal blueprint. He gives us freedom in the middle of it. 
He offers freedom on your journey. You know, we're not robots. And life would be really weird if we were forced by God in the decisions we had to make. But he doesn't do that. He, he gives us freedom. In fact, it's something that we do all the time. I would say that we probably, we've said, hey, what is one thing in, in, in every day that you do probably the most? We probably say take a breath. You know, think about it. How, how many times you've taken a breath in the last 10 seconds? You calculated them up throughout the day. You know how many breaths the average person takes? 22,000 breaths. You know there's something that we do more than that? And it's make decisions. Someone calculated some time. I don't know how they counted, but around 35,000 decisions are made every single day by the average person. Now, most of them are really small. Like, I don't want to fall off this step. I'm going to take a step back. That's a decision, you know? Some small decisions. But some of these decisions are life-changing and future-shaping. And the beauty is, is that God... In his perfect will and providence, he allows us the chance to make decisions in his will. And I don't understand it. It's very strange that God can know the future but still give us that freedom to make decisions. And the Bible talks about it a lot. One of them is actually in Psalm 119. It says this, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. I'm following after you, God, and so I have this opportunity to walk in freedom. And there's another version. That in fact, the ESV says, I will walk in a wide place. Not in this narrow thing where I have no freedom of movement, but I will walk in this, this wide place. And I love what that, what that symbolizes, that, that God says, I want you to go in that direction. Now make some decisions that way, you know. Walk that way. And that's a part of our relationship with God. He gives us freedom of movement. And we see it in this, this story with Bethsael because, you see, God said, build this. He didn't say how to swing a hammer. He said, go and build it. And so there's this freedom and agency in the middle of this that God equipped Bethsael, and he called him. He gave him, gave him these skills and said, here's the blueprint, now go and do it. And that's awesome to think about in our own lives, that God gives us this freedom of movement. But the final thing that I see in this, this story is that, that God doesn't want you to be alone. A part of his blueprint is to, is to give you community. His plan for every single one of us involves other people. It involves the church. It involves your family. It involves your neighbors. It involves the people that God has. Sometimes you're like, why, God, have you put that person in my life? But God has a specific reason for putting people in your sphere of influence who can walk alongside you. Because, man, the plans that God has for you, they're probably bigger than you. You can't do them on your own. And we know this is true from this story. If we go kind of to the end of the build, we see what happens. But in Exodus chapter 31, God says this. He says that I have personally appointed, and he's beginning to describe some other people that were a part of this. Bethel was not the only dude. And millions of people were looking around at him saying, hey, hey you done yet? Hurry up, buddy. It's not what happened. It says that I have a personally appointed uh, Aholiab, son of, I don't know how to say that guy's name, of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. So he was helping um, Bethsael. And he says, moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so that they can make all the things I've commanded um, you to make. He had help. And his crew showed up when he needed them the most. And here's my question. Are you specifically making yourself lonely? Are you hiding from other people? I think sometimes we just, we want to be alone. We want to try to do this on our own. And God says, man, that is not a part of the plan. 
The plan is, is for you to have other people walking alongside you. If you think even deeper about that, you're a part of someone else's plan. God is trying to do something in some other people's lives and they need your help. That's a part of the community. It's the beauty of what God has, has called us to do. His blueprint for our lives is not to be alone. It's to be with other people. And I love the ending of this whole final story. If you go all the way down to Exodus chapter 40, something amazing happens. Look, look, look what the Bible says in Exodus 40. It says that the cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day. Just like we saw in that, that, on that video, okay? It wasn't on fire, okay? The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night, fire glowed inside the cloud. It says, why? So the whole family of Israel could see it. And this continued throughout all their journeys. Wherever they went, when they would put up the, when, when the cloud began to move, they would pack up the, the tabernacle. They would put it on horses and carts or whatever, carried it by hand, and they would all take off and follow God in the wilderness. And when he stopped, they would build, rebuild that, that temple over and over again throughout their, throughout their journey. You see, Bethel was, he was a hero because he, he didn't hide under someone else's shadow. He did what God had called him to do. And he didn't selfishly try to change the plans. Instead, he looked at those plans and said, God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. And here's the result. We find the result in this, in this, this, this final verse right here. God's people got to see God's presence every single day. Every single day, they got to see God's presence at noon, in the middle of the night, because of what Bethel built. And here's my question for every single one of us. Do other people see God in the life that you've built? Are there parts of your life where all they see is you? As if we're someone special compared to God? Or when they look at our lives, do they see God? Do they see God? Are you someone who is, who's taken the plans and tried to rearrange them? And tried to add on? If you open up the plans of your life, are they what God wrote? Or did you take a pencil and start adding on and changing things as if we know what's best? Or are we taking a step back and say, God, what have you called me to do? Are we living for the approval of other people under someone else's shadow? Or are we saying, God, I'm going to live under your shadow. I'm going to be a unique person in your will and boldly do what you've called me to do. This is Bethel's life. And he's a hero because of it. So I think it's a great question for us to, to think about. And I think this is an opportunity for, for, honestly, for repentance a little bit, where we take a step back of our own lives and say, God, have I messed up? Have I made some decisions that have caused me harm? Have I made some decisions that have caused some other people harm? Have I selfishly chosen to kind of step out of your will when I know you've called me to something else? And I've said, now, God, I've got my own plans. Maybe it's an opportunity to kind of just repent for that. What I love about God is that we believe Jesus changes everything. And he has the ability, this unique ability to take something that's broken and to fix it. And he loves to do that. But what it takes is it takes some humility of coming alongside God and saying, God, I need to take that eraser out and, and, and go back to your plan.
to what you've called me to do. I need to trust you. I think I know what's best, but I need to trust you with my life. And here's the beauty of it. It gives us an opportunity to make much of him. When other people see the life that we built, they see God. And that is what the story is all about. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to stand to your feet real quick. We're going to have an opportunity to respond to this message. We're going to pray a prayer. And when we finish this prayer, I want to ask you, if you feel like you need to take a moment and and come down to the front and just repent of some things and, some, and pray over the life that, that you've built for yourself and say, God, what have you called me to actually do? Maybe there's somebody in your, your life that you know they, they've strayed from that, that plan that God has for them. And you need to pray for them. This is an opportunity for us to just get real with God for a little bit. Maybe you want to do that just right where you're at, and that's fine. This is an opportunity to get one-on-one with God, to speak to him, but also to pause and listen to what he has to say. So let's pray and let's move. You bow your heads with me. God, I love the fact that even in the Old Testament, stories that are thousands of years old, there's a message for, for us. I love the story of a man who could have gone in many different directions, but he chose you. And people got to see you through the life that he built. And ask that for our own lives, God. What kind of life have we built? Where have we strayed? Where do we need to get back on the path? Maybe for somebody in this room, they've never accepted that main part of the blueprint, which is you loving us to salvation, you sending Jesus to die on the cross to save us from our sins. Maybe today is the day that someone chooses to trust you that way but say yes to that gift of salvation. And tr- instead of trying to write their own blue- blueprint, they would trust you for maybe for the very first time to save them. God, for those of us in this room who we say, you know, we're, we're believers, but man, we love to write our own story. God, convict us. If there's something we need to do, that you've called us and equipped us and provided for us to do, but we're scared to do it, God, give us courage to take that step of faith and to follow your plan for our lives. I pray, God, you bring other people around, each one of us, as we move into your will. You would encourage us, and that at the end of the day, Lord, the end of our lives, we can look back and know that people got to see Jesus in the life that we've built. Help us, God, to live that out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we want to just say welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. If you're someone who, during the message, you thought, you know what, I want to know more about Christ, I want to give my life to Jesus, and I I want to know what it means to be forgiven, uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could, text FORGIVEN to 94000, and that way one of our ministers can reach out to you, and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, Here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything.
Sigue a saber.